Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. I'm so happy that you're here today, and I want to invite you to grab your Bibles. And today, let's go to the book of Proverbs, which is known as the book of wisdom. And we're going to be in chapter 8, and let's go down to verse 15. And let's talk today about how God has designed wisdom to be the primary things or the primary principle that kings govern by. This is very important because in God's eyes, he sees royalty in you. You need to see that that proper image of yourself in Christ now with royal DNA because you're in the family of God. And so uh, this message is for kings, praise God. And you are tuned in to receive a kingly message, praise God. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would bring light upon the subject of kings ruling by wisdom and that we can take this biblical wisdom, apply it to our lives and see the wonderful and actually the eternal results that it produces of righteousness, peace, joy, and so forth. We thank you, Father God, for uh, health, healing, prosperity, blessing. Oh God, we give you praise for your wisdom. Let it be flowing today by your Spirit's anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. We all agree and say amen. Praise God. Yes, we do. We say amen because we want the wisdom of God. We greatly desire it. Now, Proverbs 8 and verse 15. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule, and nobles, all the judges of the earth. It's very difficult to reign, R-E-I-G-N. It's very difficult to reign without wisdom and wisdom being personified as a person. And that person speaking says, by me, kings reign. Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords. Now, we have been brought into the family of God, and now God sees us as kings, under the great king of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the king over his own kingdom. Hallelujah. And we are the subjects of his kingdom, ruling and reigning within the realms that God has assigned us to. How are we going to operate here in this earthly realm, within the kingdoms that the Lord has placed us within, mainly within his kingdom? We're going to do it by wisdom. And I think it's important for us to understand uh, in the light that kings reign by wisdom, that Adam was, yes, the first man, but in a sense, also the first king to be upon the earth. And we see this very clearly in the book of Genesis. Please go there with me uh, to Genesis chapter 1. And we see in verse 26, Then God said, let us make man in our image. So you're made in the image of God. Now, even fallen man, or what we would call sinful man, those that don't know God or or outside of the covenant of God, they still have that element of God's image in them. Now, it can be greatly distorted and perverted 
through a life of sin and a life that would glorify the devil or wild living or prideful, arrogant living and so forth. But you can still see that quality of the image of God in them. But in the life of a believer, it has the potential to realize its fullest potential. Praise God. And that potential is to be able to rule and reign in the mighty wisdom of God, and that will produce dominion. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Now, with some Christians... The reason that they have a difficult time with divine health or divine healing or God's prosperity plan is, is often not because they, they feel uncomfortable with the scriptures that would teach that. It's just that they have, a, they have a, an image problem. It, in many cases, it's not even a faith problem. Uh, many of them have actually heard the teaching of God's word concerning the goodness of God, even God's ability to bless you. But because of an image problem, it, it can create a blockage that will not allow them to step into their royal inheritance. So you have to really see yourself the way God sees you. You have to know that you are made in the image of God. God. Hallelujah. And that is a very, very beautiful thing. Now let's go to Genesis chapter, well, uh, uh, chapter one, but let's go to verse 29. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you. It shall be for food. Now Genesis chapter two, verse eight, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. By the way, did you know that God likes gardens? I, I used to like gardens when I was a kid. Uh, but, you know, when you're a young boy, it's, or, uh, it's not foreign to girls either when you're young. Uh, it's kind of fun to play in the dirt. <laughs> but when you, get, when you get older, you're like, you know, I don't think I want to play in the dirt that much anymore. But it's, it's not unusual uh, when you get a little older where that uh, love for the soil comes back. And maybe you don't want to be a farmer but you might want to grow your own tomato plant in your house. And who knows, maybe you do want to start your own small garden. I think that's something that God has put inside of every person is uh, something where you love, uh, you just love a garden. And uh, even if a garden is not vegetables such as tomatoes or, uh, you know, watermelons or things like that, it could be just a beautiful landscaped backyard. Mm -hmm. Maybe you only have two trees on your property but you landscape them and make them look real nice. You know, I told uh, Kelly, I said, you know what? I think uh, some of these primary trees that are out by our front yard of our house, I think they'll look a lot better if I get some of that red mulch and I put that around the tree base and kind of give it that decorative look. And she said, well, Stephen, I don't know if that's going to make much of a difference. She said, I don't know if that's going to uh, do much. Well, I said, well, let me try it. And I, I did it. And wow, it just makes it look so pretty. And I, I, maybe I got a little too carried away. I think I ended up doing it to about maybe a, 
Oh, uh, probably about 12 trees. <laughs> uh, well, we have 12, 12 very nice-looking trees that are all uh, looking really good. Uh, just the way I'm sure Ad, uh, Adam would have liked it, and he probably would uh, compliment me. But we all have something on the inside where God says, hey, take dominion over that and make it like the Garden of Eden, the best that you can. So maybe we cannot all have a, uh, a front lawn or a backyard that looks like the Pebble Beach Golf Course, but you can do what you can with what you have. Now, again, verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden, eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So Adam's in the garden, and he's not just there eating wild onions and petting lions and tigers all day. He's busy. Verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. This garden was very big, a lot to do, and Adam is now going to have to reign over this vast land project. I tell you what, you can look at a property and you can see the potential, but once you start working on it and start moving things around and so forth and moving rocks and stuff like that, you realize, well, this is going to take, this is going to take some work. So Adam, uh, with his tremendous strength and ability and his incredible brain began to go to work. And Adam, as he began to reign over his kingdom assignment, how did he do it? He reigned in wisdom. Look at this example in verse 20. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. Wow. I mean, he's naming all of these animals. And, uh, you know, the name has to fit the character. The name has to fit the style, the walk, the, the size, the purpose of the animal. And he's just getting it all right just incredible wisdom to be able to do things like that. And, uh, you know, you may think, well, that's kind of easy. Uh, but when you're looking at a creature that has never been named and you, you have to come up with something that's, as we would say, out of the blue, or you have to create something, uh, that takes wisdom to do it and to actually get it right. And he's doing that. And not only that, but he has all of these trees and he has to know which ones can I eat from. Okay, it's a cherry tree. There's an orange tree. I've got all these trees. So he has to know which ones are for food. God said there's ones that are for food and others have different purposes and things like that. He's got to get all of this figured out. And so he's working with uh, various trees and you know, you never want, as they say, that you never want to chop down a hardwood tree. They're beautiful. They have a purpose, not just for you, but also for the animals. And you just need understanding of all of that. Praise God. And he could, he could do it. And so he knew, okay, so this tree, I could use this to make a house with. Uh, this tree, I could use this to make a canoe with or make a boat with. This is good. This wood is good for water. And on and on it goes. Just uh, how is he, how is he running his operation? How is he ruling his kingdom? He's reigning and ruling with wisdom. He's making application of the wisdom that God has given to him. And wisdom enables you to reign. Think about Abraham just for a moment. By wisdom, the wisdom of God, Abraham knew through an insight from God how to raise fatted cattle. And what everybody else was doing in his day and age was that 
they were driving their cattle back and forth to the different water sources because some of the water sources were only seasonal. Okay, so when this creek dries up, then we've got to move all the cattle over to another water source. And uh, for those of you that have been to Israel, particularly uh, the areas of southern Israel, you realize there's there's very little water out there. And sometimes the streams, the creeks, uh, the wadis, they do completely dry up. And what do you do when you've got all these animals and there's no water? So uh, there was, you, you have to keep moving around. But Abraham, through the wisdom of God, had the, had the idea, the wisdom idea, to dig wells. And he dug wells and he hit water. What does that mean? It means he doesn't have to be migratory anymore. He doesn't have to keep moving around all through the desert, moving all these animals around. He's staying right there. He's got plenty of water and he is, he positioned himself on a primary pathway that was an international pathway where all of this international trade was taking place. And as they say in real estate, the old saying, location, location, location. And he's got it. He's got the location along that trade route. And so people can buy beef and people can buy cattle. And now he's got a steady supply of water. And now he can just expand his cattle ranching business. And Abraham really became the first cattle baron. Now, maybe some of you are watching from Texas. I know we have ministry partners in Texas. And you're thinking, you're thinking the King Ranch, Pastor Stephen. We have the King Ranch, yes, and it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful ranch, and uh, uh, with uh, still uh, putting out uh, beef uh, cattle today. But my friends, Abraham uh, beat all of our Texas friends to it uh, a couple thousand years ago. Praise the Lord. He was a, he was a cattle baron. And now think about his son. He had Abraham and Isaac. Think about what his son did. Isaac in a time of drought when nobody else would dare sow seed because you're going to put it into dry cracked soil. No need to even sow seed. So Isaac went ahead uh, because God said, don't go to Egypt because Isaac was thinking, Hey, I'm getting out of here. You know, ain't nothing going on here, but God said, no, stay here and I'm going to bless you. So he stayed and through the wisdom of God, he was somehow able to identify a different type of water source. And that year, that same year that he sowed with, through the wisdom of God and the blessing of God, he received a 100 fold return and he began to prosper and flourish. Wow. Praise God. My friends, you reign, you reign through wisdom. This is how Kings operate. This is how God wants you to operate. Praise the Lord. And what took place with Jacob? Well, Jacob found himself in a servant position to Laban, and Laban loved it. And as when you read the scriptures, you can see clearly Laban had no intention ever of letting Jacob get out of this uh, position of serving him, of being in a type of enslavement where he's stuck. And Laban knows he's got him stuck, and Laban's got the upper hand, and this is how Jacob got out. He got out through a wisdom idea. And yes, there was an element of the supernatural in it where God told him to do certain things with uh, certain uh, tree sticks and stick them in the ground and have the animals, have your livestock look <laughs> at those sticks, striped sticks and all of this stuff. And it's going to cause the animals when they mate to produce 
a superior uh, product, basically. And that's, that's what happened. And the, the livestock that began to be produced under the care of Jacob that were Jacob's, that were clearly his sole possession, they were better in quality and they soon became larger in quantity. And what happened? Jacob ended up in the top place and he broke free from the servitude to Laban. How did that happen? It happened through the superior wisdom of God. And you reign, in other words, you get into a ruling position through that higher wisdom. Praise God. Now, we have talked before about wisdom. We have defined wisdom before, but today we're back on the same subject and we're going to continue to study it even closer because wisdom... Uh, is broad, and we need to look at some other, how can we say, other ends of the color spectrum. I came out of the church the other day, and there was a phenomenal rainbow going over uh, the, this area, with, I, and I could look at it. I could see at least, uh, I think I counted eight colors, and it was just fabulous. Well, that's like looking at God's wisdom. You could see the primary colors, and but if you keep looking, I, I could see the magenta, I could see pink, I could, I just incredible things begin to uh, uh, kind of, you know, as your eyes assimilate to the various colors. So let's look a little bit more at the color definitions of wisdom. Wisdom, my friends, is the best way to get things done. That is a great definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the best way to get things done. How many of you know there's a bad way? <laughs> You ever had somebody say, let's do it this way? You're like, well, hold on just a moment. Uh, uh, let's rethink this. You know, it's kind of like when you buy a chainsaw. Have you ever bought a chainsaw before? There's a tag attached to the chainsaw, and it, uh, and it says, don't do this, and it has a circle around the activity, and it has, it has a big line going through the circle with a red mark saying, don't do this. And you look at it, and you think, oh, nobody would do that. Oh, yes. People do it all the time, which is why they have to actually put a picture on there saying, don't do this. What is the picture of? It's a guy. Probably you would never have a lady do it, but, you know, but it's a guy sitting up on a branch and he's got the chainsaw and he's sawing off the branch while he's sitting on it. Uh, well, Pastor Stephen, if he does that, he'll fall to the ground with the chainsaw. Yep, he sure will, and it's happened over and over. And they ha actually have to attach that to the saws when they sell it. In other words, uh, wisdom is the best way to do something. There's, there's, trust me, there's always a bad way. <laughs> but we want to do what? We want to walk in wisdom, and wisdom is the best way to get things done, especially without killing yourself, right, or injuring yourself. Excuse me just a moment. Oh, praise the Lord. Now, here's another way to define wisdom. Wisdom is the most effective way of accomplishing a task. Very similar to what I just previously said, but just a little bit different. It's the most effective way of accomplishing a task. Wisdom is the least stressful way to getting results. How many of you like that? Look, nobody likes stress. Not even animals like stress. Um, animals in many ways, while, while they're not on the human level, God never made an animal to be on a human level, uh, but they have certain emotional qualities 
that uh, are similar to us in the sense where animals get they get stressed out if they're placed in an environment. Let's take cattle for a moment. You can take cattle and put them in a big pen. But if there's all kinds of confusion and chaos and, and especially uh, noises, uh, it'll startle the cattle. And what will happen? They don't want to eat. Well, that's not what you want if you're, uh, if you're raising cattle because you want them to eat so they can get fat so that you can sell them and, you know, get more money because the cow weighs more, you know, but you know, also it's going to be a better beef product, uh, the end result. But if they're all stressed out, they stop eating, they don't want to drink water, and they're, they're nervous. They're nervous. And uh, same way with uh, dogs. Uh, dogs can get stressed out, uh, especially in storms, you know, loud thunder, just uh, make them go ballistic. So there's certain things you can do. You can put those little uh, snug things around them or give them something that makes them feel secure. Uh, but yes, animals can feel stress and we can, we can feel it too. And stress is not good for the human body. So wisdom is the least stressful way to getting results. How many of you know people, they'll get it done, but man, they'll take you on a ride that you'll never forget uh, uh, d- during the journey of getting it accomplished. And you, by the time it's over, you'll think, I, 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 well, we got it done, but I don't ever want to get it done like that ever again. So th- this is all a part of getting into the higher wisdom of God and eliminating this crazy stuff. Now, wisdom is the most, ac- the most cost-effective way to securing solutions to challenging problems. That's very important. The most cost-effective way. I admire Samaritan's Purse under the leadership of Reverend Franklin Graham. Uh, They have a global outreach uh, that is a a humanitarian outreach, uh, bringing relief to those that are suffering. And one of their outreaches, of course, is medical. And, you know, medical equipment can run into uh, very high-figure prices, uh, the equipment that easily cost six figures or could go into millions of dollars. And when you're operating in the wisdom of God and in His kingdom, you want every dollar to count. And oftentimes, they will buy used equipment, but they will take it and refurbish it. And once it's refurbished, it's just as good as new, but it costs 80% less. So these are things that we have to walk in. You have to be cost effective. Remember, Jesus, after the miracle of the feeding of 5,000, told the apostles to gather up all the fragments that remain. In other words, don't waste all of this extra fish and all of this extra food because everybody's now is going back in the town. They're going back home. They're going to go back to their villages and so forth. And we don't just need to leave all this sitting here and uh, be very, very careful about waste. Uh, This is very big to the Lord. And you, you can think that there's a place where, oh, Pastor Stephen, if you have a lot of money, then we can we can afford to be negligent in this area. You can never afford to uh, be in a place of waste. Now, I know that when it comes to national governments, governments are probably the worst example of waste and uh, improper use of money. Do you know why? 
I'll tell you why. It's because it's not their money. They're spending somebody else's money. So when you're, when you're working with somebody else's money, number one, it's easy to give it away. We want to, we just want to give it out to everybody equally. Well, yeah. Why don't you do it with your own personal money? Oh, oh no, that's, that's, that's it's totally different. But when you're, when you're playing with somebody else's money, you, it's, it's, it's easy to have all these theories about what to do with it and stuff like that. <laughs> but they would never um, they would never do it personally. Remember that song back from the 80s? Uh, it was like a pop song. And it was called, If I Were King for Just One Day, I Would Give It All Away. Well, see, here's the thing. Okay, so the guy that wrote the song, why don't you give all of your own personal money away? Because you, you may never be a king in the sense where you, you, you're ruling over a nation or something like that. But uh, instead of waiting for a day like that where you say that you'll, one day you're just going to give it all away if you're a king, why not right now with your own money that you do have, why don't you give all of it away? Oh, no, I want to give, give the money away of the wealthy people. Well, that, that's because it's not yours, so you don't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> These are all fascinating things. But all of this mentality, it all leads to waste. Waste, waste, uh, improper usage of money, equipment, or materials. Mm-mm. And by the way, uh, don't think for a moment that all of that military equipment left in Af- Afghanistan was some uh, type of a mistake where the Biden administration says, oh, you know, we just pulled out so fast, we didn't have time to get it out. Oh, they had plenty of time. Uh, everything the government does in those types of, uh, those means of execution has already been thought out by think tanks five, ten years previously. They have, they have groups of brilliant people that do nothing but sit down and think out strategy what we'll be doing or implementing five years from now. So all of those uh Helicopters, uh, Black Hawk helicopters, and uh, hundreds of Humvees and uh, uh, you know guns and ammunition—all of that was not left by accident. It was left on purpose, and the purpose is a different subject. Uh, but you have to understand that there can be waste, sometimes even intentional. But these these are things that are absolute foolishness. We must walk in the wisdom of God, and that means that we're very good stewards with what we have. Uh, Let me say this. Wealth is not something that you should ever look at as an achievement. Like saying, well, I'm wealthy now, Pastor Stephen. It's an achievement. No, it's never an achievement for the believer. It's it's something that God looks at as being, uh, it's a stewardship. So it's not an achievement, it's a stewardship where you are stewarding uh, money, wealth, materials for the Lord. And so you better do a good job with it and not waste any of it because it's God's. Mm-mm. We're, we're going to give an account to the Lord one day with uh, all the money that we've earned, how we've used our money, uh, whether it was used for the glory of God or whether it was used solely for self-consumption. And yes, at the same time, we need to use some for ourselves. You have to spend some money on yourself. But my friends, we want to be good stewards and walk in the wisdom of God. So again, wisdom is the most cost-effective way to securing solutions to challenging problems. Now, let's, let's look even closer at wisdom from the perspective of being defined through 
uh, its biblical attachment. In other words, its, its association with God's word. Now, uh, biblically, wisdom is the correct application of scriptures to real life issues. And this is where we're zoning in at, because this is where the gold is at, my friends. Let me say it again. From a biblical perspective and a biblical definition, wisdom is the correct application of scriptures to real life issues. Mm -mm. And we all have various issues in life. Wisdom is discovering God's approach to every issue of life. Again, wisdom is discovering God's approach to every issue of life. I tell you, there are some people that are believers that right now, at this very moment, they're in a mess, uh, money problems, maybe marital problems, maybe uh, problems at work, and they think the problem is unsolvable. Uh, what if you could stay home for a day and Jesus could step into your shoes and he could make himself look just like you? He'd snap his fingers and make himself look just like you, talk like you, but he's going to think like himself. He's going to think like God. What if he could step into your shoes, go into uh, your, your world for a day? Do you think that he would be puzzled? Do you think that he wouldn't know what to do? He would start fixing things so fast it'd make your head spin. <laughs> because he knows how to approach every issue in life. He knows what to do. Mm -mm. Now, don't ever forget in the New Testament and the New Covenant, which we are in, we have the mind of Christ. Woo! Now, we're going to go further with that in just a moment. Wisdom is uncovering from God's word which way to go and how to handle situations to make them produce the desired results. Ooh, I've got to say it again. Wisdom is uncovering from God's word. Now, the, re the reason I say uncovering is because so much of the wisdom of God is actually hidden. It could be right in front of your eyes, but you can, and you can read it, or you could hear it taught from, by a preacher. But if you don't catch it by revelation, by the Holy Spirit, it'll go right past you, and you're still left not knowing what to do. But the light is shining today, and answers are breaking forth. Now, wisdom is uncovering from God's word which way to go and how to handle situations to make them produce the desired results. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Get ready because this wisdom is operating in your mind right now by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, of course, does involve common sense. But what we're, what we're focusing on today is the wisdom of God that centers on biblical sense. There's common sense, and that can work in a common way, right? Um, and I, I, think, I think we all have a good foundation in common sense. Praise the Lord. But we're talking more about this higher wisdom, this higher wisdom, and that is is not necessarily common sense, although it, it would involve that, but it includes the greater, which is biblical sense. Wisdom is the ability to operate by scriptures in every aspect of life. Praise God. And so that would, in some ways, just pull it all together, wouldn't it? Again, wisdom is the ability to operate by scriptures in every aspect 
of life. Praise God. Woo! I see your lifting secured by your wisdom walk with God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, there is a way to the top, and wisdom will show you how to get there. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 10 just for a moment. I have a couple of scriptures for you from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 15. The labor of fools wearies them, for they do not even know how to go to the city. Hey, it's pretty bad when you don't know how to go to the city, even when there's GPS and there's uh, uh, road signs and this and that, or you could even ask somebody, how do I get there? But my friends, even with all of these uh, tools and implementations of help, you still have some that just don't know how to go to the city. There are some that don't know how to break out and start ascending into the place of blessing that God has for them. But there is a way to go to the top. And I have discovered that when you are not aware of the wisdom of God, you struggle needlessly. You struggle and you go through things that, yes, perhaps you learned a good experience, but you know what? If you would have had that wisdom, you could have avoided the entire experience and you could have stayed on course and arrived at your destination quicker. Let me say this concerning reaching your destination and knowing which way to go. The ways of God are the fast track lanes of life. I really just got that from the Holy Spirit, that the ways of God, the wisdom ways of God are the fast track lanes of life. When we drive from Moravian Falls to Charlotte, it takes about an hour and 40 minutes because we're north of Charlotte. Uh, but if you try to go to Charlotte on uh, like a morning or let, let's say right, right around 8 o'clock or 8.30 when all the rush hour traffic is there, or if you try to get into Charlotte uh, anytime after 3, uh, you're going to get stuck on the freeway and everything is going to slow down and uh, you're going to be stuck with everybody else unless you have the new fast track fast lane pass and Kelly and I got it because we go to Charlotte often uh you know we have a uh, recording studio down there uh, plus if we are going to catch a flight out most often we have used the Charlotte airport so we go there often to uh do things and they opened up two lanes now that are, you know, you pay a toll, but you can bypass all of the other, as we would say, normal traffic. And so many times taking those fast lanes have, has just saved me uh, a whole lot of time because I'm, you know, going 65 miles per hour and I look over at the lanes over on the other part going the same direction and they're going zero. They're stuck, and I've been over there before. And, you know, you get stuck over there. You, you could get stuck for 30 minutes, an hour. Uh, if there's an accident, two hours, and you just sit there, you can't go anywhere. But if you're over in the fast lanes, if you're on the fast track of the wisdom of God, you're still maintaining your speed, and you're heading towards your destination. And that really is the difference that the high wisdom of God can make in your life. And we see this 
in Isaiah 55 very, very clearly. Isaiah chapter 55, look at verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Now, God's ways are the ways of wisdom. God's ways are like highways, and God's highway runs faster than the ordinary highway that most people are on. So if you want to get to the top, you have to get on you have to get on the God highway. Praise the Lord. And what is that? That's that's God's way of doing things, God's way of thinking. It's the higher thoughts, it's the wisdom thoughts that originate from God. And that's what we're tying into. Praise the Lord. His ways, the ways of God, move you from ordinary to extraordinary. And you may think, Pastor Stephen, I, I don't really want to draw any attention to myself. I, I'm not looking to be extraordinary or to be labeled as some kind of a special person. I understand that, that you want to stay humble and uh, you want to give all the glory to the Lord. And uh, you're, you're not trying to push to the front because, you know, you want to be seen or something like that. But I am saying that the wisdom of God does take you to the front. And when you can get there, when you do get there, you just maintain the humble position. But yes, it will produce that. It is, it, it, it produces a dramatic lifting in the life of any person who walks in the wisdom of God, just like it did for Abraham, for Isaac. For Jacob, whom we talked about earlier, just like it did for Joseph, who took him to the top, just like it did for Daniel. Daniel is one of my favorites. He had a tremendous level of wisdom that came from God, and that wisdom caused him to be separated from ordinary to extraordinary, even extraordinary amongst other brilliant people. Don't think that the other people in the king's court, just because Daniel was elevated so far above them, uh, you know, don't think that they weren't sharp cookies because they were. You had you had mathematicians when uh, when you read about uh, those who were involved as uh, you know, like the king's advisors or those that were also involved as uh, maybe we would say the black magic or the black arts uh, that the king would have on staff. Yet at the same time, when you, when you think, oh, they were astrologers, well, in many ways, they were physicists in the early world. They, they could map the heavens very accurately. They could measure astronomical difference, uh, distances very accurately. They were, they were already beginning to unlock secrets of uh, you know planets, stars, and things like that. So those were some sharp people. Yet Daniel, Daniel in his, in his wisdom, which was the wisdom of God, excelled every single one of them. And so he still stayed humble, but you can see how that wisdom does produce a shift that will take you out of an ordinary uh, type of life and move you into something that will glorify the Lord through an extraordinary life. May God be praised. Hallelujah. The wisdom of God reveals to you solutions to matters too difficult for the ordinary human mind. And that's what Daniel tied into. He tied into a solution uh, that, to a problem that was so complex 
Not one of the wise men in the king's court could even get into that realm. They couldn't touch it. They, they matter of fact, said, there is nobody on the earth, O king, can, that can do what you're asking us to do. They said the only ones that can do it are the gods, and they do not dwell with human flesh. <laughs> but Daniel's like, hey, I can, I can get into a, a, a place where I can get that answer. And that answer came from God in uh, in. Oh, I'm just telling you the wisdom of God. Uh, it will produce a distinction. It will produce something very special in your life. Again, the wisdom of God reveals to you solutions to matters that are too difficult for the ordinary human mind. This is why, watch, this is why the church will be lifted to be the mountain that is above all other mountains before the Lord returns the church will not be viewed as something where the the unbelievers look at the church as being this weak uh, group of religious folk that are all messed up and uh, have a bunch of crazy ideas, but yet they have no impact. No, no. By the time Christ comes back, the church will be in such a position of of walking in the wisdom of God that the glory of God will be all over the church. Look, when Jesus comes back, for the church, his bride, the bride will be pure and spotless. And you can't be pure and spotless and be a fool. This, this bride of Christ, the end time church will be pure and spotless and walking in the brilliant light of God's wisdom. And you cannot walk in wisdom like that and be defeated. The church will be winning in every single area, all hell raging in spite of that. The church will still rise to the top and the manifest sons of God, which includes, of course, the corporate body, will be seen in the earth and it will be a mighty, mighty force unlike anything the world has ever seen before. Well, Pastor Stephen, how will the church come into such a, a, a place of prominence uh, that, that you're referring to through the wisdom of God? It, this wisdom produces a supernatural lifting and supernatural solutions to problems that others outside of Christ can't solve. Mm -mm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, through this wisdom, you get heaven's strategies to have dominion in earthly places. So I see that coming to you, heaven's strategies coming to you right where you're at. You're always going to know what it is that you're supposed to do. You'll always know your next move. Mm -mm. Praise God. And speaking of that, let me go back to Ecclesiastes because we see in Scripture that, again, this reveals your next move. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. Look, always stay sharp. How? Through wisdom. You're like an axe. Don't get dull. Okay, stay in the wisdom of God. I'm going to talk in just a moment about how, how to tie into this, tap into this. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. Praise God. Now watch this. I'm going to, I'm going to bring it to you from the literal Hebrew. It says in Ecclesiastes 10.10 10, that the wisdom, uh, that this wisdom directs, but wisdom directs. That's the original Hebrew. Wisdom directs. It directs you. You know what to do. And that's why other translations say 
it brings success. Why? Because when it's bringing direction, you know what to do. What does that produce? Success. You can't have success when you don't know what to do. (laughs) You're stuck. You're, you're, You're stranded. But you'll never, ever be stranded again. And you'll never, ever throw your hands up in the air and say, I don't know what to do. You'll always know what to do. Because the wisdom of God is descending upon your mind like the dew from heaven. Mm -mm. And the reality of the the mind of Christ in you brings a deep confidence and security. You know what your next move is. There could be total pandemonium, but you know what to do. You're solid. You're in faith. You know exactly what to do. What does that produce? Success. Mm -mm. But wisdom directs. Wisdom brings success. That, again, that's Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10. Praise the Lord. All right, in just a moment, I'm going to share uh, a wisdom nugget or two. But before I do that, let me, let me pull up something from Genesis that's very, very interesting about God's wisdom and how it works with our minds. Let's go to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis 11 Verse 6, this is, this is a very interesting verse. Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. The word propose, what they're proposing to do. Some translations say what they're planning to do. The New King James Version says imagination. They have an imagination of what they're going to do. So these proposals, these plans, which in a sense are coming out of imagination, all of this is something that's formed and activated where? Not in your big toe, not in your elbow, but where? In your mind. Your mind is this... uh, center for this creative area for imagination. And there's something fascinating about imagination and the working of the brain that we need to think about just for a moment. When you, when you think about all of the patents and all of the inventions that we have experienced up until this very day, and it's kind of funny because when we rolled over into the 1900s, leaving the uh, 1800s, you know, we got the 1899 and rolled into the 1900 and then 1901. Right before we went into the 1900s, there were some uh, scientific people of, you know, higher learning who said there are really no more inventions to create. There's really no more need to file new patents because we've, we've maxed out uh, humanity's knowledge base. There's, there's not much else to learn. Wow, were they ever wrong? And so we've had an explosion of the increase of knowledge, which is just another sign of the end times where knowledge shall increase in the last days, as we see that referred to in the book of Daniel. But my friends, um, even with the uh, millions of patents and all of the inventions with the, the amazing products that have come out, Scientists say that that still represents all of these patents, all of these inventions, still represents only, you ready for this, 0.05 
of man's mental ability to create. What does that mean? Well, you've probably heard the expression that, and this has been around for quite some time, where scientists say that we only use about 10% of our brain. And that's true. That is true. It's looking like, from what they're showing, that we don't even use 10%. And they have admitted that some of the great geniuses, people like Einstein, they have pushed to a level where they were probably pushing at 10%. And others are actually operating uh, sometimes right around 1%, or even with all of these inventions, they're saying it, it's computing out but they're, as they're running you know, computational uh, numbers to try to figure this out. They're, they're saying we're really at 0. .05. <laughs> well, what about all of this other 99.5 that's still out there? Or for those that are really as we would say, taxing their brain, and they, may, they push it up to 10%, what in the world is going on with this other 90% that's still on reserve that hasn't really been ventured into yet? Mm -mm. Uh, this area even of imagination. Because you, even to imagine something, you have to get over into a creative flow. And, uh, but even with that, what's going on if we're only using... 10% of our brain. Here's something very interesting from the book of Deuteronomy that I believe will shed some light on this. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the, the words of this law. So there are some secret things that God reserves just for himself. But what I'm seeing is that these hidden potentials of the brain, the Lord has reserved some secret things for himself, and he's going to release some secrets that he divinely permits to be released into the minds of certain people. And I believe that many of these people are God intends for it to be sent to believers who can receive thoughts that originated from the mind of God and that are released that will take you out into the deeper waters of creativity, of solutions. Uh, you know, in Israel, they were having a great struggle with where are we going to get water from? Uh, the Jordan River uh, is being diverted every which way and the other. And so uh, there, uh, you, know, you, can't, you can only take so much uh, water out of the Jordan River. When you go see it, there's hardly any water flowing through it because it's all being diverted out to various farmlands and uh, you know, other purposes and stuff like that. So they're like, we need more water. And the process of desalinization is still very expensive where you're taking salt water from the sea and you're turning it into fresh water. It's very costly. Well, there was one Israeli scientist who figured out how to convert water from out of the air. And even if the air is very arid and dry, there's still moisture in it. So they have unlocked that ability to pull water out of the air. And I just believe that God is going to release secret things that are on reserve. Now, God will always have some secrets that he never shares. 
But there are some things that are reserved for release that have never even been thought before. But people are going to catch the thought, and then there will be execution of it. Have you ever noticed the most amazing thing? That whenever God releases revelatory thought for maybe the unveiling of a new law into the earth. Now, it's been there for thousands of years, but nobody's ever known about it. Or maybe they thought about it, but can never tie into it. God could release it here in North Carolina, like he did over 100 years ago to the Wright brothers. And they just think, you know what? I think, I think we can figure out how to fly. And they begin to unlock principles that govern flight. Now, remember, the principles are timeless. Even before the Wright brothers and others learned how to fly, the principles were still there, but nobody understood them. But isn't it, is it not remarkable that while they're unlocking those principles that govern flight, and they're figuring out how to fly, and they actually do it finally at Kitty Hawk, which is at the beach, not too far from here. It's a beautiful beach, by the way. Um, at the same time, they're getting it figured out. There's a guy over in Europe, in France. He's getting it figured out. And they don't even know each other. It's just, it's starting, it's starting to be disseminated, diffused into the minds of men. Why? God wants this technology in the earth, and people are catching it. That's why I'm, I'm saying there's going to be some things released that the world has never seen before, and God's going to release it into believers, and it will be principles that have been around. We just didn't know how to get into it. We didn't know how to tie into it. <laughs> Science has a lot of questions that, that, that yet cannot be answered. Um, and uh, if we can solve certain things, technology and medicine and other things will take massive leaps forward. Mm -hmm. And the church... The church is being positioned to be the recipients of this lofty wisdom of God. Mm -mm. You got to get on the highway of wisdom. And trust me, it's, when I say high, it's, it's high. <laughs> Woo, praise God. Mm -mm. Now, here's the thing also. When God releases this, you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to kill yourself to try to pull it in. And this is what many of the geniuses have done. They, they have pushed up to that 10% level of their brain. And, uh, you know, it requires that you put a massive strain on your brain. Let me say this. I greatly admire the rabbis. Uh, I've read after certain rabbis that when you're reading them, you're, you can't help but think, this, this guy is a genius. And, yes, he's an expert of the law, but this person could have been an attorney. This person could have been an astronaut. This person could have been anything they want. The person's a genius. And what's going on? They have taxed their brain. They, they study day and night. They're, they're in books. They're reading. And they have, they have expanded the mental capacity of their brain to a great volume. But um, that there's, a, there's a price tag for that. And what we're talking about today is wisdom that goes into that high area, but it comes by revelation, not perspiration, not not staying up all night trying to crack the code, and you you, know, you wake up and you're just your brain's shot. Now you need twelve cups of coffee to engage again. That's not what I'm talking about. There's a different way to come into this. I want to share it with you in just a moment. Glory to God, but I believe that the other 
God is going to take some of his people into that. Don't you want to go to the high places? God's going to take some of his people into that, and you're going to get phenomenal solutions, phenomenal insight to doing things the way God does things. Praise the Lord. And and, uh, you're going to get into it without uh, putting this massive burden on your body. You know, there was a man just a couple of years ago, I think it was maybe two years ago, he set the world record for the deadlift. He lifted the heaviest amount of weight ever in the history of the world. And when he did it, uh, he, I guess it was a moment of pride. So he kind of, uh, he held the weight just for an extra second before dropping it. But, you know, that puts such a strain upon your body. He said that probably took a couple of years off my life. And it, prob- it probably did. I mean, blood just suddenly started pouring out of his nose. And uh, why? Because you're putting your body under a strain that's going beyond something that... that um, that's normal. But you see, you can do that to your brain and you, you could tax your brain like that and you can be a very brilliant person. But I'm saying God can take you on his highway and you can go there and the spirit gives illumination to your brain and bless your heart. Maybe you didn't even graduate from high school, but yet you can tie into this high wisdom of God. Oh, glory to God. And God can touch your brain. Mm-mm. You do know there are billionaires today that never went to college or went to college and thought this is a total waste of time and got out and uh, went on and, uh, you know, and got it figured out on their own. And I think there are even a couple. There's probably a couple that uh, never even got out of high school. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Right now we have over 400 billionaires in the, in the world. God's going to create Christian billionaires also that will finance the preaching of the gospel around the world. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. The end time church is destined to be a glorious church functioning in the brilliant wisdom of God. Praise the Lord. Let me share this just for a moment. This is a wisdom nugget that I felt led that many of you should uh, ponder concerning uh, the season of life that you're in right now. And I want, I want to say this, that an opportunity sometimes is actually an instruction. When I say an opportunity, maybe that could be an invitation, but this opportunity or invitation, especially if it comes from a man of God, is something that you could, uh, you should really consider because oftentimes God will hide wisdom in a way where it's concealed. And wisdom always has an instruction. But that instruction, that instruction sometimes I have found can come in the form of an opportunity. And if you take that opportunity, God's in it. Praise the Lord. Now, not every opportunity, but there are some special ones that can come your way. And you want to catch those. Why? That's wisdom. That's God's wisdom in that. Watch out. Praise the Lord. I had um, a godly man, a good man, Sid Roth, a couple of years ago. He said, he said to me, he said, Stephen, um, I would like for you to create some programs, uh, ministry programs that can be on my ISN network. And uh, he said, I would really like for you to do that. He gave me an opportunity. And um, you have to understand that in these opportunities, you may think, well, that's just an opportunity. God often looks at that not so much as an opportunity for you, as, but he sees it more as an instruction. 
And if you will follow that instruction, it's amazing how so many people, they don't follow instructions or they don't listen. They don't listen and they don't realize that opportunity. Well, that was an instruction. God's seeing if you catch that instruction and if you walk that out, you could walk into something really special. I said, okay, Sid. I said, you know, give me a little while to pull this together because, uh, you know, you, you know, he had a he had standards. He wanted to be uh, broadcast quality and so forth. He wanted to, to be able to be produced at a very high level. I said, okay, I can I can do that. Just give me give me a little time to pull all of that together, and eventually, by God's grace and by our wonderful ministry partners and those of you that are Pure Gold partners. We were able to produce wonderful programs, and I responded to that opportunity, which was really, which was really a a hidden instruction uh, from the Lord to step into this. Well, I did it, and yes, we're on ISN. The Pure Gold programs are on ISN, but I didn't really realize that by following that wisdom instruction veiled through an opportunity. I didn't really realize at that time that, oh, that wasn't only going to open ISN. We're on ISN, but now that we have the product, now that we have these beautiful shows, oh, we can go on any network. You know, of course you have to pay because, you know, that's how the the networks pay the satellite bill that they're on, whether it's Dish Network or DirecTV or whatever it might be. But, you know, we started getting on different networks, and we were blessed to be able to go on God TV, and then we went on the World Harvest Network, and then we added the, um, uh, you know, this network, and then another network, and recently we just went on the PTL Network with Jim and Lori Baker, and we're increasing, we're increasing, praise God. It's very, very exciting. Well, Pastor Stephen, God's blessing, God's blessing the, uh, your television ministry. Yes, and I thank you, uh, partners, for helping us to do this. But you have to understand that all began with what? An opportunity. It began with an opportunity. Um, a minister once said that, or Roberts told him, I'd like for you to come to Tulsa and be involved with what we're doing there in Tulsa. And if you will come, uh, we'll make arrangements for you. We'll get a house for you. And uh, we'll we'll make life just as comfortable for you as as we can, and you know we'll uh, see to it financially that you're uh, you know taken care of and so forth. And uh, we just want you to come to Tulsa. And or Robert said, I really want you to come and and help us with what we're doing here. We're overwhelmed and we need help. And you, we feel that you could really bring this extra uh, wisdom that we need. And you know what this minister said? Because he regretted it later. He said, no, he said, I, I don't really want to do that. And he said, what he did also didn't realize is that that opportunity, he just saw it as an opportunity and he didn't take it. He didn't realize that what's hidden in that is actually an instruction. Anytime you're getting something from a man of God uh, and they're giving an opportunity or something like that, that's actually an instruction in that. And if you will walk that out, you'll see that God will bless you. And uh, this minister said, well, I don't want to go to Tulsa. He said, I want to get married. And Or Robert said, if your wife is not in Tulsa, I'll lay my Bible down and I'll never preach again. He said, if you come, your wife will be here. <laughs> and you know what? This minister lamented later and said, I never went. 
And, of course, the season, that season closed, and or Robert's not on the earth anymore. He's in heaven. Praise the Lord. Um, when I was in high school, I came home one day with my brothers, and uh, uh, this was a little strange. My mom and dad said, we need to have a family meeting. And me and my brothers thought, a family meeting? We've never had one of these before, unless we're, me and all the brothers are in trouble. <laughs> So we all sit down. Everything was real somber. I thought that somebody died, that grandpa or grandma died or something like that. Well, no, but it was kind of like a real serious meeting. I, I just remember me and my brothers sitting on the couch. You know, me and my brothers were all in high school. And um, my mom and dad said, um, well, we want to share an opportunity uh, with you boys and get your, your thoughts on it because it involves all of us. And my dad said, um, boys, your, your mom because of her work, and she's really good at what she does, because my mom was the head x-ray tech at a major hospital, um, she has been invited. She has been given a very special opportunity to come to Saudi Arabia and be the head x-ray tech over a very nice hospital, new hospital, and they want her to run that segment of the hospital and to teach all the... Um, you know, all the people over there that want to learn x-ray tech, you know, all the, she wanted to be the teacher and all of that. And, uh, you know, it'd be, a, it would be amazing pay. It would be a cultural experience. And, um, so, uh, what should we do? What should we do? And boys, what do you think? And, um, uh, around, around the room, it was pretty much a unanimous. No, we thought, well, Saudi Arabia, isn't that just a bunch of sand and camels? <laughs> And uh, we didn't go. We didn't go. But maybe we should have. Looking back, maybe we should have. You know, when you're, when you're a teenager, you don't want to be separated from your friends. But looking back, most of the friends I had were, were uh, friends that uh, had no interest in God. The only thing they were good at was cursing and tell, telling dirty stories. Maybe we should have gone. I loved the Lord, but I was, you know, we're kind of stuck in a dead church. And it didn't mean that if we're going to go to Saudi Arabia, we're going to lose our faith. They, they still had Christian churches over there that were allowed and so forth. My mom would have made a ton of money. My, my, my parents would have finally, if I could say it in this way, they finally would have become rich because my dad tried many, many times to start certain businesses. They didn't work and eventually gave up on having his own business and just got what you would call a, a good, normal, stable job. But it was a, it was a golden opportunity. And it would have been for a couple of years. And uh, you, let me say this. One of the greatest illuminators of the human mind is to travel, is to get out and meet other people and see other cultures and eat food uh, that maybe necessarily it's not your favorite, but that you still try it and you, you just get to stay in other places. It, it just... Uh, it, uh, it really helps expand your mind. It gives you exposure in a good way, praise the Lord. So perhaps that should have been something that my parents should have said, you know, we just feel it's something we shouldn't pass up. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and we're going we're gonna to give it a go. And uh, you know what? Uh, that, that could have been something that could have been life-changing in a very, very good way, praise the Lord. It could have been something that would have been extraordinary. And uh, would have been uh, would have bought a lot of honor to my mother uh, because she, you know, really kind of started at the bottom and climbed the ranks, 
so to speak. Praise God. But it never happened. But my friends, please be aware of major open doors and opportunities that you could step through. And sometimes it's not only an opportunity. Sometimes when God's involved, it's an instruction and you better do it because if you don't do it, you could get stuck in the land of normal for another five years because you turned down the wisdom opportunity that God had made available for you. Now, I know it takes faith to actually do it and to go through that door. I really felt compelled of the Spirit today as we're talking about wisdom to say be aware of wisdom opportunities that are presented, rare, special things, something special that you could step into that would be of the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm. Because an opportunity is often a divine instruction. Praise the Lord. Glory to Jesus. I see you walking in the mind of Christ. I see the wisdom of God being your stability. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I see the wisdom of God completely drying up. Foolish behavior, foolish decisions, and I see you being governed by the scriptures not by your emotions. Praise the Lord. I see you beginning to reign as a king in your life and your kingdom becoming very orderly, very beautiful, and very attractive. And unbelievers noticing your world that you created and them thinking, you know what? That person's life is like a city set on top of a hill. It's very, very attractive. I would like to know more about them. Praise God. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, my friends, the Lord Jesus is so good. Hallelujah. Praise God. And his wisdom is touching your mind. His wisdom taking you into areas of the glory, areas of the glory. And of course, when we walk in these sacred areas, we give God all the praise, all the credit, all the glory. Amen. But he's unveiling things. He's blessing his people. Hallelujah. And these are things God wants us to step into. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. The mind of Christ in you. Praise the Lord. Please lift your hands. I want to pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for divine opportunities being presented. Father, I pray that your people will see that if that opportunity is for them, that they'll actually see the hidden instruction inside of it. Because wisdom always has an instruction attached to it. So, Father, I pray that you would give them the ability to see that. If, they, if there's an opportunity that's not for them, there's a door that's not for them. I pray that they would easily know that, clearly know that, and say, no, that's not, that's not for me. But that which is for them, I pray that they would know. We give you praise. Thank you, Father God, that your wisdom and, and your, uh, your spirit of faith and love just uh, destroys any type of fear or uncertainty. I praise you, O oh God. Father, thank you that your wisdom directs and your wisdom is directing your people today. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Amen. Out of your own mouth, say this. Say, God's wisdom is directing me. Again, say, God's wisdom is causing me to be successful. Pastor Stephen, 
How do I really come into this mighty wisdom? That is the wisdom from above. One of the best ways, and it's timeless in nature, is found in Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law. See, this is, this is the book of wisdom. This is wisdom. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. The power and wisdom of God. It's all in Jesus. And Jesus is the word. This is the word. This is the book of wisdom. Now watch this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You must meditate the word and sit down and think and ponder the word and prayerfully read the word and enjoy the word and really go over the scriptures that that are speaking to you. And uh, if the Holy Spirit gives you a scripture or something comes to your heart, to your mind, then go over there and look at that and meditate on that and meditate until you're full. When you're eating, you're enjoying the meal, you're in your happy moment, finish finish the food, eat it all up, praise God. When you're meditating uh, and your, your spirit is being fed, stay there until you're full. Enjoy the rich word and meditate and meditate. And it's out of those times of meditation that produce the ability to do what? To know what to do. You will know what to do because that word gives direction and you meditate on that word and you step out of your devotional time and you just think, I'm going to do this this, this. You're executing. Praise God. And when you know what to do, it produces what it says in Ecclesiastes 10.10, also verified here, it produces good success. Then you will have good success. Praise God. The wisdom of God operating in your life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God's working with minds. God's working with minds, the genius anointing of God touching your mind. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you're watching today's program and you don't know Christ, who is the power and wisdom of God, if you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, true wisdom begins solely with him. And I want to give you an opportunity, an instruction to receive Christ. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another day. The Holy Spirit is moving on your heart right now. So respond to God and receive his free gift of salvation. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, you died on the cross to save sinners like me. Jesus, I repent. I turn from my sin and I give my life completely to you. Save me now. Wash me with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Those of you who have prayed that prayer, give God praise. You now belong to him. and The wisdom of God is beginning to flow. Mm -mm. One of the wisdom nuggets of God 
is to love your enemies and bless those who curse you and forgive those who have done you wrong. And I say that because somebody's watching and you have been done wrong in a very royal way. What I mean is in a big way. (laughs) You were royally done wrong. (laughs) And for the blessing to flow, for the wisdom to flow, you have to have your heart right with God. Forgive them. Forgive them. Just as God forgave you for all the things you've done wrong, forgive them. And in many cases, they actually don't know what they're doing. You may say, well, Pastor Stephen, they knew. Regardless, forgive them, release it, and let it go. And just pray this. Say, Lord God, I forgive them. I forgive them completely. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. See, you prosper as your soul prospers. What are we doing? We're operating in the wisdom of God, which is biblical, scripturally based wisdom. Hallelujah. Now, let's take Holy Communion. Grab some unleavened bread. And uh, there's my little unleavened bread in there and some grape juice. And let's take communion together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the bread, the juice. We consecrate it. We set it apart as holy through this prayer. We thank you. This is the flesh and blood of Jesus. We give you praise, Father, for the body of the Lord. As we receive his body, we thank you, Father God, we receive by faith his wisdom. Christ in us, the hope of glory the mind of Christ in us. Father, as we meditate your word, we thank you. We thank you for his flesh. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. Jesus is the sweetest person you'll ever meet. He's the the most loving, kindest person you'll ever meet. But did you know this? He's the wisest person you'll ever meet. Well, Pastor Stephen, I didn't know he was real smart. Oh, he's, he's, he is, he's where all smartness comes from. <laughs> Solomon falls on his face before Jesus. For the wisdom that Solomon received came from somewhere. It was a gift given to him. It came from God. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We receive his blood. We receive forgiveness of sins, cleansing from all unrighteousness, and minds renewed by your word. Thank you, Father God. Let your wisdom thoughts flow to us. We give you praise that we know what to do in every situation, that we're not left standing, as we would say, flat-footed. We know how to react, and we know what to do. We give you praise. Because we're doing what Jesus would do. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Meditate the Word. When you're meditating the Word, you're meditating the wisdom of God. That wisdom washes your mind. That wisdom stimulates your brain. That wisdom will transform you into the genius that God has called you to be. 
That doesn't mean necessarily that you go to the chalkboard and begin to write out advanced, deep uh, forms of mathematical uh, equations and start doing calculus and things like that. But it does mean that in your lane, that in your career field, that God's wisdom will begin to lift you to the top. And as you go there, take as many people with you to heaven as you can. Praise the Lord. And it'll be a lot. Glory to God. Thanks for watching today. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.